Thank you for joining Sumter Chapel's weekly podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and speaks life to your spirit. As always, we pray that this podcast will further God's kingdom by seeing one more made new. Now, let's get started with today's message. Does peace exist in our world? Does peace exist in our world? Does it exist anywhere that you've experienced? Have you experienced peace in your own life? Have you experienced contexts in our world where you would say, yes, peace resides there, peace rests there, that's a place where I've experienced peace? Does peace exist in our world? This is an interesting question to think about. In the midst of all of the war that we see around us, all of the social media rage (laughs) that we experience and see people get caught up in, in the midst of just the busyness of life, the schedules that we keep, the anxiety that we have around everything we need to do, the conflict that that pops up in our life, whether that's conflict from family members or friends or strangers, um, the drama (laughs) that plays out in many people's families and lives. Does peace exist in our world? It's a very difficult thing. There's a lot of people that talk about peace and wanting peace, but is there a solution? Is, Is there a way for peace to exist in our world? Do you have peace? Do you have a a true, deep, inner experience of peace, no matter what you're going through in life? Or do you know how to attain peace, how to find peace? Do you even know what peace looks like? In a world where we've been trained to be anxious, to react in a way of, that usually instigates more conflict. In in a world where we've been molded in a very specific way, do we even know how to find peace? It's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question when we look at the world around us and how much conflict and anger and war exists, how much division. It's a legitimate question to ask, do we even know how to find peace? Let alone, do we actually have peace ourselves. You know, it's interesting because the story of Scripture, how it plays out, if you were to just take this, it's actually a library of books, the Bible, but if you were to take this compilation and read it from cover to cover, you would start out with a story about God bringing peace. About God bringing peace. In Genesis, the story of creation is that God takes the chaos of the natural world that was current, that existed, and God brings peace to it. That's the story of Genesis 1. God brings peace in order to the chaos. It talks about the the Spirit of God hovering over the chaos. And then we get this entire beautiful poetic description of how God brings peace. And you know the highest, the highest order of how God brings peace to the natural world is he creates humans in his image. 
to be the peacemakers to all of the world, to the entire world, to order the entire world, to be the image of God, meaning the representation of God on earth. That's the irony, that we look at our world today and the chaos of our world, and yet we read that God's intention in all of creation, including the pinnacle of creation according to the scriptures, being humanity, was to bring order and peace. Was for there to be a sense of, of wholeness and peace in our world, in us and then in the world around us. And yet we know that that's not the experience for most of us in our lives, that we, we struggle to find peace, and certainly for most of the people around the world. That peace seems like it's a long way off. That it's not even, I can't even grab it so far off. It just doesn't seem like it's real. It just seems like the normal craziness, busyness, chaos of life is just how it's going to be. And yet God tells a very different story. And Jesus is sent. That's why the anticipation of this Messiah, Jesus, is so big. Jesus is sent into the world to once again bring peace. Just as God created humanity to bring peace, Jesus was sent for there to be a recreation of the opportunity of peace for humanity. He was going to recreate the world through his Savior, through the Savior that he sent his Son, Jesus Christ. And so this is where we get Luke chapter 1, this passage that we read earlier, and I'm going to read it again, describing Jesus as the one who came to bring a path towards peace, to make a way for peace. This is actually Zechariah's prophecy. Zechariah is the uncle to Jesus. Is that the connection? Cousin? I don't remember. But this is, that's really, which is really bad. I should know this. No, I think cousins. Aren't Mary and Elizabeth cousins? Anyways, well, Mary, mother of Jesus, has a relative, whatever she was, Elizabeth, however they fit into their family together. We all have complicated families, so we can relate. But Mary, mother of Jesus, Elizabeth also has a child. Zechariah is Elizabeth's husband. They were waiting on a child for their entire life, and she was actually considered barren. And God brought them a child. He would be named John. And this is Zechariah, the father of John, prophesying over his son, who then is called the, the way maker for Jesus, and then Jesus would be the way maker for peace. So that's the, the idea here. So this is his prophecy. This is his prophecy over his own son. Starting in verse 68. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so that we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. 
you will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Let's pray. Father, as your word has been read and as we have heard it and have hopefully read it ourselves this week, we pray that you would guide us along paths of peace, that we would recognize fully the forgiveness of sins we have offered to us through your son Jesus, that we would embrace this light that you're shining into the darkness of our world, that you would, that you would shine that light into us as well, that we would experience the fullness of your presence and that you might bring peace through that experience of your presence in our life. That the chaos of this world would not control us, but that you would set us upon a firm foundation through a relationship with your son Jesus we might have peace. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We're focusing this morning on anticipating peace. Last week we talked about anticipating hope, the coming of a Savior. And this morning we're anticipating peace, what that Savior can actually bring to the world. So now we're not just hopeful the Savior will come to, to, to save us, to redeem us, to reconcile us, to to bring us back into a right relationship with God and to bring people back into right relationships with one another because of God's presence. But now we're anticipating peace. We're anticipating the peace that a Messiah brings. How does Messiah bring peace? And they used it in that way. I said that and I realized I sounded very Jewish in that moment. How does Messiah bring peace? That's how they talk about it. But how does the Messiah, we typically say the Messiah, how does the Messiah bring peace? How does this Savior bring peace? How does Scripture talk about him bringing peace? Well, one way that Zechariah talks about in this passage, but that the whole of the Old Testament talks about, is through the forgiveness of sins. Through the forgiveness of sins. That we find peace in our own internal battles and struggles as the God of creation looks upon us with forgiveness through his son. That there's chaos in, in, our, in our own lives eternally because we're battling against sin. We're battling against our own rebellion, against how God created us, this kind of rebellious rebelliousness against the designs of God. It's internal to us. Sometimes we don't even realize it's there till it's identified in us. If there are things that, that a chaotic world celebrates that go against how God intended life to be. And, and as we identify that in ourselves, as we identify that which the Bible calls sin, this kind of rebelliousness against how God intended things to be in my life, then, then we're able to get to the root of our own chaos and God is able to bring peace to that through the forgiveness of those sins and through ultimately the rescuing from that sin, the rescue out of that sin that has been controlling us. 
We don't recognize the control of sin in our lives sometimes just because I think it's easier not to deal with it part of the time. And then the other time is because I think it actually, in the short term, there's some sort of benefit to it. There's some sort of benefit to giving in to whatever that thing is that God didn't intend, but that we gave in to. So an example would be like conflict in our life. That when conflict arises, the benefit to me reacting in the midst of that conflict in a way that's domineering or uh, that, that, that perpetuates the conflict is, is I get some sense of being in control. When I react in the midst of conflict in a way that puts someone else down, it means it puts me above them. And so I have some semblance of power and control in that moment, and that makes me feel good. Even though the reality is, is I'm not actually in control or in power in that moment, it makes me feel that way, and so I do it to the conflict. That's the irony. If I actually have control and power, it means I don't have to react to what has just happened because I'm in control. My reaction actually proves I'm out of control and that I've given in to the chaos of that moment and, and thus likely sinned in my behavior, likely said something I shouldn't have said, likely said something in a way I shouldn't have said it, likely put someone down, name called, whatever. This is so normalized for us today that we don't even recognize it in ourselves. These, these patterns of sin in our lives are so recognized as just normal behavior that a lot of times we don't recognize it in ourselves. And the reason forgiveness of sins is such a huge deal in this passage and in all of Scripture of why it brings peace is because it's not until I can deal with my own forgiveness, my own need for forgiveness for the ways that I've messed things up in my life, that I can then begin to forgive others and thus bring peace to the world around me. I, if I can't bring myself to own forgiveness for my sins, then I'm going to continuously act out of the brokenness of my own life. And so Jesus brings a, a forgiveness of sins, a repairing of humanity inwardly and inwardly in relationship to God, God's presence in our life, in a way that brings peace, in a way that brings internal peace that, that, that I can't experience anywhere externally outside of myself. God's presence shows up in me in a way that brings peace. And then Jesus leads me on paths of peace, is what Zechariah is prophesying here and what the scriptures display that then Jesus leads me along the paths of peace. And as you follow the teachings of Christ, as you follow the teachings of Jesus, if you were just to open up the Bible and only read the four Gospels and read how Jesus handled every situation he came across, every time it produced peace. There might have been chaos going on around it, but the, but the reality of what he was accomplishing was peace. So you think about, you think about 
when the Pharisees were trying to trap a woman in her sin. That they bring her before Jesus and throw her down because they had caught her in adultery and likely they caught her in adultery because one of them was sleeping with her. That's the irony there. Um, the only reason they would have known. <laughs> and so they try to catch Jesus in an argument about the law because technically in that moment she should have been stoned or put to death by the letter of the Jewish law. And so there's conflict in this moment, right? The whole purpose of them doing this is conflict. To catch Jesus in some sort of a conflict and then to create chaos in the life of this woman by stoning her. I mean, that is the ultimate level of conflict, right? Death. And what does Jesus do? He turns the entire situation around on them and says, okay, you're right. The law says we should stone her. So whichever one of you have not sinned can throw the first stone. And it says they all walk away. One by one. Because they intended conflict. They intended ultimately evil in what they were attempting to accomplish. But Jesus intended good and he brought peace. And he begins to teach what this path of peace looks like. How we de-escalate situations. How we handle conflict one-on-one -on -one with people. He teaches on that multiple times. We don't escalate conflict in our lives. We de-escalate it and we bring peace to situations. How even truth in the midst of a difficult situation ultimately leads to peace. That it's not the avoidance of truth that leads to peace. But that truth actually cuts through the chaos and leads to peace. Jesus, this Messiah, comes into the world to bring peace. Peace to us internally, to our souls. In our relationship with God, he brings the very presence of God to earth and then brings that presence into our lives. That's when we talk about the Holy Spirit residing in people. That's the very presence of God coming into our lives to bring peace. And then he brings paths of peace to this world. Paths of peace of how we actually work through the chaos and the conflict of this world. The rhythms of life that Jesus produces in his disciples and the people that he raises up and then the people of God should be rhythms of life that produce peace. Should be rhythms of life that produce peace. You know, I've learned in my life that true peace comes in the midst of chaos. Or at least, I know when I've had, uh, God's begin to give me actual peace when chaos shows up, but I'm not reacting to the chaos in my life. It's taken a long time to realize that, but, but I've come to that realization. I used to think how I find peace is I retreat from the chaos. Now, that's a part of it. Part of how we can handle the difficulties of our life is to pull back from those difficulties, right? Take a deep breath. This is the idea of Sabbath rest. This is the idea of vacation. <laughs> if, you, if you look to take a vacation, though most of all, most of us plan vacations that just create more chaos, <laughs> if we're honest with ourselves, <laughs> we overplan. But that, that's good, that's healthy to pull back and to take a deep breath. And that helps, 
with rhythms in life that produce peace, but where you know you found peace is that you find yourself back in the chaos, and yet the chaos is not determining how you react. It took a long time for me to realize that, and it was just in the last couple weeks I was, a, I was in a discipleship time with a friend of mine, and he asked me, how is your soul? And we ask our, each other this question a lot, and as we start launching discipleship groups among ourselves, you'll, you'll begin practicing this. But he asked me, how's your soul? And I looked at him and I said, it feels like my life is out of control right now, but I don't feel out of control. And, it, and, and I, and I did, wasn't using the word peace, but as I was preparing for this week, I realized that's what I was saying, that I actually feel at peace right now. It feels like my life's out of control, like I have too much on my plate that I cannot handle. But I don't feel out of control, oddly enough. And this is where Scripture uses the phrase peace that surpasses understanding. It, it's peace that doesn't make sense, right? It's the idea that I shouldn't have peace right now <laughs> because my life is chaotic. And everyone looking in on my life may not think I have peace, but I have peace. Like, I don't feel out of control. I feel like even though everything is coming at me, I'm in, I'm in control. And it's not me that's doing it. It's not because I'm in control, because I'm clearly out of control. You can't see my life? Like, I'm clearly out of control. It's God who's in control. And it's my recognition that because my God is in control of all of this stuff that I can't control, that I can be at peace and be in control of how I react to the things around me. In your own life, are you on a path of peace with this Messiah? With with this Messiah Jesus who came to earth to produce peace between you and God and you and others, are you on the pathway of peace? Is that where you're headed in your relationships with others? Is that where you're headed in your relationship with God? A coming out of the chaos controlling your life and into a place where you are at peace. You're trusting in the one who controls all of the chaos. Who, who brought peace and order to the chaos to begin with. Who brought peace and order to the chaos through Jesus and so he can bring peace and order to the chaos again in your life and in your family and in your community in your world. Is that the Messiah? Is that the Savior? Is that the God that you're trusting in? If we're trusting in the gods of this world, if we're trusting in the gods of our own lives, they're not going to produce peace because they're not in control. If you're trusting in yourself, you're not in control. There are things that will come across your plate that you cannot control, so you cannot bring peace. It's inevitable. And this world, we see the fruit of this world. It's the exact opposite of peace. In fact, the world benefits when there's chaos. It shouldn't be that way, but it is, for whatever reason, that our world feeds off the chaos. It's not going to bring us peace. No matter what we look to to bring us peace in this world or in ourselves, will not. But the God of this world who ordered the chaos to begin with can order the chaos of our life and this Jesus, this Messiah that came into this world, that, that came as a human, brought the very presence of God into humanity, can bring peace in our lives.